welcome to the 62nd episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Before we get started, our usual disclaimer, heavy spoilers ahead, turn back now if you haven't seen these movies. This week we're talking about one of the biggest horror franchises out there, and that is Friday the 13th. There are 12 movies total in the franchise, including a reboot and a TV series which ran for three seasons. I'm not going to do what I normally do, which is read the director, producer, you know, uh, writer, etc. for each of these movies since there are so many. I'm just going to hit the highlights and uh, mention people that were involved in multiple films in the franchise. Um, just to give you a slight overview... This franchise is almost 30 years old, and the first movie was released in 1980, and then a movie was released every other year, every couple of years after that. That is until a nine-year break between Jason Goes to Hell and Jason X, and then there's a six-year break between Freddy vs. Jason and the remake in 2009, which was the final film thus far in the series. Sean S. Cunningham was the director and producer of the first movie. He then returned to be the producer to Jason Goes to Hell till the end of the franchise. So he also worked on the reboot. Martin Catrosser was the screenwriter on 3 and 5. Mark Swift and Damien Shannon were screenwriters on Freddy vs. Jason and the remake. And Frank Mancuso Jr. was the assistant producer for 2, the producer for 3 and 4, the executive producer for 5 and 7, and he was also the producer of the TV series, which, as I said, read for three seasons between 1987 and 1990. Interesting note, he is also an executive producer of the Species franchise, which uh, I'm going to cover here at some point. So where to find these movies? All films except for 3 and 9, which is Jason Goes to Hell, Jason X, Freddy vs. Jason, and the remake. So all the movies except for those are free on Amazon for Prime members. The others are $4 each. All the films, including 3 up through 8, which is Jason Takes Manhattan, are on Shudder. Um, let's see. All, all seasons of the TV series are listed on Amazon, but it says they're currently available. There are a number of them available for free on YouTube. Pluto has the first through the eighth movie. Voodoo also has the first through the eighth movie, uh, but none of them are free, and it also has a number of different versions, like the theatrical version, the uncut version, etc. Netflix has the reboot only, and there's nothing on Hulu, Tubi, or Crackle. Rotten Tomatoes scores, again, I'm not going to read all of them because there's too many, so I'm just going to hit the highlights. So critics, critics ranked the movie best at 62%, that was the first film, and worst at 8%, yes, that's a single digit, for Jason Takes Manhattan. Jason Lives and Freddy vs. Jason were also ranked highly. Audiences ranked the movies from best at 60%, again, the first movie, to worst, Jason Goes to Hell at 24%. The second movie and the remake are also rated highest. The plot. Uh, 
I'll just read a couple of these and then take a break because this is going to be a really long uh, episode. So first up, Friday the 13th, the first one, IMDb says, a group of camp counselors are stalked and murdered by an unknown assailant while trying to reopen a summer camp where years before was the site of a child's drowning and a grisly double murder. Based on what we later know about the franchise, you would think Jason would be the killer in this movie. But nope, it's not. It's his mother, Pamela Voorhees, who worked as a cook at the camp. Um, and one of the famous, most famous lines, her lines in this is, they were making love while the poor boy drowned. So I thought that was a great twist. And then we also have a final girl, as we do in most of these uh, movies, and she, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> so she um, decapitates Mrs. Voorhees when she attacks her, and then she is in a boat in the lake, drifting around with very peaceful music playing when the police arrived, and we think that she has successfully survived, and just when we think it's about to end, this uh, deformed, disfigured boy pops up out of the lake and attacks her. And then next we see her at a hospital, and she's asking where the boy is, and the police say they didn't find any boy. And then another famous line from the movie, Alice says, then he's still out there. So note in this film, a very young Kevin Bacon is one of the camp counselors that is promptly killed. And he dies while laying on the bed with an arrow through his neck, which is a good uh, good special effect. Friday the 13th, Part 2, IMDb says, Mrs. Voorhees is dead and Camp Crystal Lake is shut down, but a camp next to the infamous place is stalked by an unknown assailant. Alice, the final girl from the previous movie, is in the first part of this movie, but she's off pretty quickly um, by Jason, so she doesn't last long. And this movie has the Jason, at least has Jason in it, but he's not wearing his typical hockey mask. He first starts off with like a burlap sack or a pillowcase over his head with one eye cut out. Friday the 13th, Part 3, IMDb says, Having revived from his wounds, Jason Voorhees takes refuge at a cabin near Crystal Lake. As a group of co-eds arrive for a vacation, Jason continues his killing spree. Uh, this movie was made in 3D, and Jason finally gets his iconic hockey mask here off of one of the victims, a guy named Shelly, who for some reason brought it, brought it with him on a weekend of partying. This one has a dream sequence in it similar to the ending of the first movie, but this time the, um, the final girl is in the lake, and the rotting body of someone who looks like a woman, I don't know if it's supposed to be Mrs. Voorhees or not, jumps up and grabs her. But, of course, that didn't happen. That was just a dream sequence. Um, and then when she wakes up, the police are there. But it is obvious when they put her in the back of the police car that she has lost her mind, and the police take her away. Number four, Friday the 13th, the final chapter, which, as we know, was not the final chapter by any stretch of the imagination. IMDb says, after being mortally wounded and taken to a morgue, murderer Jason Voorhees spontaneously revives and embarks on a killing spree as he makes his way back to his home in Camp Crystal Lake. So this one features a very young 
Corey Feldman as Tommy Jarvis. So Tommy, his older sister, and his mother are there. And then the uh, camp, who was going to be camp counselors, are in a cabin near them. Chris McGlover is also in this one, and he plays his usual bizarre character. So in the end, Tommy saves his sister by shaving off his head so he looks like a young Jason, and then he kills Jason by repeatedly stabbing him to death. But we know that Jason is not dead, uh, and he'll be back for the next movie. So remember we talked about Corey Feldman and Corey Haim back when we did the Lost Boys episode. Number five, Friday the 13th, A New Beginning. IMDb says, Still haunted by his past, Tommy Jarvis, played by a different actor, who, as a child, killed Jason Voorhees, wonders if the serial killer is connected to a series of brutal murders occurring in and around the secluded halfway house where he now lives. So, obviously, Tommy grew up, and he has some emotional problems after dealing with Jason. And he sees him everywhere, but it's just his uh, brain. So we find out at the end of the movie that the killer is actually a guy named Roy who is a paramedic. And he, this is where, well there, let's face it, there aren't much to the plots of these movies, but this one really goes off the rails. So his son was a mentally disabled guy who was living at the halfway house and one of the other guys stabbed him and then Roy came on the paramedic run and saw that he was dead, and then decided to kill everybody else, I guess. So what this does do, though, is it still leaves Jason dead as he was at the end of 4. Which brings us to the sixth movie, entitled Friday the 13th, Part 6, Jason Lives. IMDb says Tommy Jarvis, played by yet another actor, so there's three actors total who played that character goes to a graveyard to get rid of Jason Voorhees' body once and for all, but inadvertently brings him back to life instead. The newly revived killer once again seeks revenge, and Tommy may be the only one who can defeat him. So, at the end of the movie, Jason is again, Jason is chained for the first time at the bottom of Crystal Lake, and um, Tommy survives, although... Uh, if it had been me, I would have killed him because it's his fault that Jason is alive in the first place. So, that's it for that movie.
movie which is Friday the 13th part 7 the new blood or I've heard some people refer to it as Jason's destroyer IMDB says years after Tommy Jarvis chained him underwater at Camp Crystal Lake the dormant Jason Voorhees is accidentally released from his prison by a telekinetic teenager now only she can stop him so there's a girl who is brought back to the lake by her therapist because she has telekinetic abilities and she killed her father there accidentally as a child because she couldn't control her powers. And I have no idea how her powers bring back Jason and her dead father from in the lake, but they do. Um, this movie was supposed to be kind of a Carrie crossover because the, the final girl here is... Uh, Carrie type character but that didn't happen because they did not own the rights to Carrie. Uh, number eight is Friday the 13th part eight Jason takes Manhattan. IMDB says a boat full of graduating high school students heads to Manhattan accidentally pulls Jason Voorhees along for the ride. Jason's body is once again resurrected. Um, this time by a boat motor and he hops on the what looks like a freighter with the high school graduates who are on their way for a trip to the Big Apple. I was pretty bummed about this film to be honest because I thought it was going to be Jason running around New York killing people in various uh, places but that didn't happen. That was originally envisioned for the film but they didn't have enough money so 75% or more of the film is Jason on the boat. Um, one thing too that is a big plot hole is how in the world Camp Crystal Lake connects to the Atlantic Ocean which is where that freighter was um, once they do get to Manhattan there's like one good scene in it but it's uh, kind of a bummer the rest of it uh, Jason is finally killed with some toxic waste in the sewers uh, and then for some reason he reverts back to his childhood form, which I don't understand. And um, they don't mention it again because in the next film he's back to his adult self. So go figure. Uh, this is one of the least uh, highest rated films in the franchise. And another one of the least high, highest rated films is the next movie, which is Jason Goes to Hell the Final Friday. Again, we know this is not the Final Friday not even close. IMDb says, 
Serial killer Jason Voorhees' supernatural origins are revealed. This is a very strange story. It only has Jason at the beginning and at the end of the movie. And at the beginning, it starts like they typically do. Jason is stalking a teenager who's alone at night. But it turns out the FBI is hiding behind, uh, is hiding outside, and they blow Jason to smithereens. And that was a good scene, I'll say that. Then the, they take what's left of his body to the morgue, and for some reason the guy that's working in the morgue, uh, the mortician, the coroner, whatever he is, decides to eat Jason's heart. Then a black slug-like creature, which I guess is supposed to be his soul, um, is passed between various bodies. So I don't understand that one at all. Um, and then also we have the invention of a family more family members for Jason that we never knew about. All we knew originally was Mrs. Voorhees, Jason, and, of course, there was a father that was never mentioned um, up to this point. But now there's a sister of Mrs. Voorhees, her adult daughter, and her baby. So supposedly only a member of Jason's family can kill him with a special dagger. So whoever's infected with that black slug uh, chases her around until she finally offs him uh, again false advertising in this movie I thought it would be Jason chasing people around hell which I thought would be pretty cool but no that didn't happen um, let's see number 10 is Jason X IMDB says Jason Voorhees returns with a new look a new machete and the same murderous attitude as he's awakened on a spaceship in the 25th century. You'll notice David Cronenberg here makes a brief special appearance at the beginning. And the special effects in this movie were cool. I liked the new look of Jason. Uh, they, there were some good scenes, but the kills in here were pretty ho-hum. The one thing that I did like was when they did a virtual reality version of Camp Crystal Lake, where there were two girls and then... Uh, Jason, remember the iconic, uh, one of the best kills of the franchise is when Jason takes one of the girls in the sleeping bag and whacks her up against a tree. But in this one, he takes one of the girls in the sleeping bag and whacks her against the other one and then throws them against the tree. So that was pretty funny. Um, at the end of this movie, Jason is speeding through the atmosphere towards Earth 2. Remember, uh, they said at the beginning of this movie that Earth 1... I think they destroyed it. Anyway, they're headed towards Earth 2, and we see his mask land there, and we don't know if that means he was burned up on re-entry, but let's face it, it doesn't really matter because nobody's going to uh, keep track of this plot point when they go to the next film. And the next film is Freddy vs. Jason. IMDb says, Freddy Krueger and Jason Voorhees return to terrorize the teenage population, except this time they're out to get the, each other. Jason X, as I said, ignores the preceding movie and instead picks up the final scene from Jason Goes to Hell. And if you'll recall, that scene was um, Jason was drugged to hell, just his mask was left on the ground, and then at the very end of the movie, uh, Freddy Krueger's uh, glove pops up, grabs the mask, and drags it down under the dirt. Uh, Freddy vs. Jason was a lot of fun, I think. Um, I think it's one of the best films in the franchise. And I liked it. I liked this pairing a lot. So basically, I think that Freddy 
brings Jason back to life so that he can scare people, so that Freddy can feed off of the teenagers' fears because none of the kids remember him at this point because, remember, the adults uh, thought they killed him at the end and then they sent anybody who knew about him to a mental hospital so that he could not feed off their fears. And the last movie in the franchise is a remake. IMDb says a group of young adults discover a boarded-up Camp Crystal Lake where they soon encounter Jason Voorhees and his deadly intentions. A few recognizable faces on here are Jared uh, Padalecki from Supernatural, Amanda Rigetti from The Mentalist and Colony, and basically they play brother and sister. So at the beginning, a bunch of people are knocked off, and then she disappears, and then he comes looking for her. This film basically summarizes the first three movies. Jason starts out with his usual pillowcase over his head, but then graduates to his hockey mask. And this film did look good. It's the best-looking film in the franchise. But the story eh, is kind of so-so. Also, I am not sure why they had Jason kidnap the girl because Jason has never kidnapped anybody up to this point. But that's what happened. Um, in this movie, Jason is depicted more as kind of a survivalist that lives underground in some tunnels. And the TV series, I'll mention just real quick. Uh, there are three seasons, as I said. And in this one, it's about two young antique store owners who are cousins who must recover cursed antiques. And it doesn't have anything to do with the movies. It doesn't have anything to do with Jason or his hockey mask. Um, basically, this... Reminds me of kind of a spookier Warehouse 13. So there are all these cursed artifacts which they are floating around, wreaking havoc, and they have to recover them and lock them up in the basement of their uncle's um, antique store. <laughs> to trivia and there is a lot of it um given the longevity of this franchise so part one in general trivia shutter shutter has a documentary called crystal lake memories that covers the entire franchise it's produced by david ferrans who also did the same thing with nightmare on elm street and it is i think directed and hosted by Corey feldman so there are interviews with tons of famous people and characters on there I will tell you now, I mean, I think it's, I personally think it's worth a watch. It is super long, though. It is six hours and 40 minutes long. 
so you might want to watch it in parts. The rules as they're established by Friday the 13th are if you have sex, you die. Um, and that is true of almost all of the movies, and in fact, the franchise can be summarized as Jason Kills Horny Teenagers, because that's about it. Um, many have said that the films are misogynist, but Sean S. Cunningham says there was no moral agenda to the movies, bad things just happen, and the final girl didn't get killed, not because she was a virgin, but because she was not preoccupied enough to get killed while the other ones were. Interestingly, before the Friday franchise, Cunningham was best known for some softcore porn and Last House on the Left. Um, almost every Friday the 13th movie has a comical or prankster character. Sally Field auditioned for the part of Alice in the first movie, so that would have been interesting. Estelle Parsons was originally supposed to be Mrs. Voorhees, but she had to back out due to a scheduling conflict. Shelley Winters was also uh, being considered for Pamela. And interestingly, of course, Winters and Parsons went on to play mother and daughter um, in Roseanne. That's Roseanne's mother, uh, Estelle, and then her grandmother, Shelley Winters. The actress who played Brenda... Lori Bartram sadly died of cancer at 49. And the original plan was to have Alice come back as a recurring character like Lori Strode in Halloween. Instead, Adrian King was harassed by a stalker in real life uh, and wanted out of the series. In the original movie, the killer was supposed to have lost a little finger after fighting with some victims, and then you would see that finger in the big reveal at the end, but they didn't have the money to do that. So it was removed from the script. Orig originally, Jason was named Josh in the script, but Jason sounds more menacing. Betsy Palmer, who played Pamela, only took the role because she needed $10,000 for a new car. She says she thought the script was a piece of shit when she first read it, and there are a lot... <laughs> so... Um, but obviously, this interestingly, this is the role she is most famous for. There are obviously a lot of similarities between Friday and Halloween. John Carpenter is on record as saying it's a blatant ripoff, but the creators uh, freely admit they were trying to rip off Halloween, so that's why it's so similar. There's an actual camp that was used for location shots, and it's still open. It's Camp... Nobi Bosco in Harwick, New Jersey, and it's run by the Boy Scouts. Uh, Lou Reed had a farm next door and came over to chat and give a free concert to the cast and crew while filming. Only three of these movies take place on Friday the 13th, 1, 2, and the remake. Five had theatrical releases on Friday the 13th. Uh, three, the final chapter, seven... Um, and Friday the 13th remake. Interestingly, Friday the 13th was originally intended to be an anthology series, but instead Jason became the star, and then the anthology structure was used for the TV series instead. Kevin Bacon's death scene almost didn't happen in the first movie. You'll remember he got an arrow through his throat, um... So his head was actually under the bed, and then they had another body, and 
they were supposed to, Tom Savini and his assistant were supposed to um, shoot some blood up through the arrow wound, but at right when they did it, through the fake neck, and right when they did it, the tube came loose from the pump, so the assistant just blew in the tube really hard, and that's why you see all the blood spurting out of his neck, which actually made the scene better anyway. Uh, Kevin Bacon did not get top billing in this movie. He uh, was not famous at that point. The most famous guy on this film was Harry Crosby, who played Bill, and he was the son of Bing Crosby, who had passed away right before they did the film. Gene Siskel of Siskel and Ebert really hated this movie. Um, he put in his review that Pamela was the killer, thus ruining the movie for everybody who saw it. And he also tried to publish Betsy Palmer's home address in an attempt to get people to troll her, which I find very strange. Luckily, he gave out the wrong address. But that's a, yeah, that's a strange reaction. Um, many of the scenes in the franchise have had to be cut down by the MPAA so that they didn't get X rating in the movies. So there's lots of additional footage. This includes the famous having sex double appellment in Friday, the Friday, uh, the second film. Betsy Palmer tells fans she has no idea who the character in the hockey mask is since her son drowned in the lake in 1957. There's a very good fan video called Never Hike Alone, um, and it is available for free on YouTube. Um, it's short. It's really good, so I definitely suggest you check that out. And also, there's an Indiegogo campaign for a follow-up film called Never Hike Alone in the Snow. In a number of the killing scenes, Betsy's played by different people. In the finale, where her head is chopped off, the hands that are reaching for her now-gone head is special effects assistant Todd um, Starvakis. Sorry, I know I messed up his next name. But you can see that his hands are pretty big and he has hairy knuckles. Uh, people who did special effects on this, I saw, I already mentioned the legendary Tom Savini. And then um, he bowed out of returning to two because he was doing something else. Then Stan Winston who's another famous special effects artist who did Aliens, Terminator, Jurassic Park, signed on, but then he had to leave during uh, due to scheduling conflicts. Then Carl Fullerton, who did Silence of the Lambs, The Godfather, etc., worked on the film, and then Savini came back for Part 4. Uh, most of the earlier films were done with just uh, practical special effects. Later, of course, is mostly CGI. Sean S. Cunningham came up with the idea for the title of the film and placed an ad in the trade papers to create interest in the film prior to having a script. After getting backing, Victor Miller wrote the script in two weeks and had titled it Long Night at Camp Blood. I will say now that uh, the reason there's one of the reasons why there's not been another Freddy movie released after the remake is that Victor Miller and Sean S. Cunningham are in a heated legal battle over who actually owns the rights to the film, who owns the title, all of that kind of stuff. So I think they were meeting, they were supposed to have some sort of decision this year, I believe. Um, but that's why. 
The film received two Razzie nominations during the first Golden Globe Raspberry Awards, sorry, Golden Raspberry Awards for Worst Movie and Worst Supporting Actress for Betsy Palmer. Um, I'll go over the box office in a second. Um, the composer. The composer uh, w who created the classic music and the infamous sound, uh, he came up with that from when Pamela says to herself as Jason, kill her mom and kill her. So it's K-I and then M-O. So that's interesting. Side note. Um, and I'll be playing some of his music in a few minutes. Other media. There's tons of other medias with his franchise, including video games, comic books, novels, etc. More than 10 people have played Jason. Uh, a different actor played Jason in each of the first six movies, while Kane Hodder was Jason for four films, seven through Jason X, uh, part three's Jason Brooke, and the final chapter's Ted White are two of the most popular actors to play the machete-wielding murderer, but Kane is arguably um, the fan favorite, and he also does a lot of Comic-Cons. Um, and there's a great... Um, story um, documentary about him. It's available on Shutter and Tubi. It's called To Hell and Back, The Kane Hodder Story. Um, and it talks about when he was burned alive doing a stunt. How he was in the hospital, I don't know how many months. More than four months. Um, so it really is a good inspirational story. I highly recommend that. In 1992, MTV gave Jason a Lifetime Achievement Award for having a lasting impact on the art form of cinema and he was the first of only three completely fictional characters to be presented the award the other two are Godzilla and Chewbacca Jason has the highest body count of any horror franchise with 167 kills in 12 movies Jason also apparently has a thing for blondes many of the final girls that are left uh, are blondes so, Final Girls, I'll just uh, go over them real quick. Um, the first one, of course, was Alice. The second one is Jenny Field. She's probably the most popular one. Three, Chris Higgins. Fourth is Trish Jarvis, Tommy's sister. Five, Pam Roberts. Six, Megan Garris. Seven, Tina Shepard, who's telekinetic. Eight, um... I don't have eight on here. Nine, Jessica Kimball. And 11, Lori Campbell. Almost all of those were blondes. There's also a movie called 13th Friday, who sued Friday the 13th in the beginning over the name, but the story is that someone paid them off, so they went away. But if you search on Friday the 13th, that movie will pop up on Amazon. Okay, let's see. Box office. Again, not going to read all these. There's too many. I will tell you the first Friday the 13th was made for $550,000. So that is not much money, especially by today's standards. To compare that to the last three movies, Jason X was made for $14 million, Jason vs. Freddy $25 million, and Friday the 13th, the remake, $19 million. Um, overall, the total budget of all the movies was $80.9 million, and they grossed some $466 million at the box office. So, obviously, Friday the 13th is a big moneymaker. 
was most of the main trivia, but I'll just hit a few of the highlights of the other films. In part two, Steve Miner is the only person to have crossed over from Friday to Halloween, having directed both Friday the 13th Part 2 and Halloween H2O. There has been um, some mystery surrounding what happened to Paul at the end of Part 2. In one version, the deadhead of Mrs. Voorhees. So, we're not sure. We never see Paul again. Um, And in one version of Part 2, the deadhead of Mrs. Voorhees opens her eyes, supposedly indicating that Jason had gotten him. But that was cut because that looked fake. Paul is, like I said... Just missing and is never mentioned again, as are many of these characters. Frank Mancuso Jr., who I mentioned previously, arrived in Part 2. He was a recent college grad, and he is the son of the Paramount president at that time. He quickly rose through the ranks and went on to produce the next batch of sequels and executive produce the TV series, as I already said. Amy Steele, who played Jenny and was one of the most popular final girls, went on and star in April Fool's Day. When Jenny was dressed as Mrs. Voorhees and she was supposed to bring down the axe while Jason meets with that with a pickaxe, unfortunately she missed and hit his finger and the actor had to go to the hospital and have a number of stitches. Friday, Crazy Ralph is one of the most iconic characters. He was in the first movie uh, and he's the one that says it's got a death curse and he is quickly offed in the second film. Um, already said it, but the only final girl to return in this franchise is Alice between one and the beginning of two, and the only other recurring character is Tommy Jarvis. Friday 2 and Slumber Party Massacre, um, Sandra, the character Sandra played by Marta Kober and Heidi Kozak appear in both franchises. Remember we reviewed... Slumber Party Massacre, a ways back. Part 3. Part 3, as we said, was shot in 3D. The original plan in Part 3 was to have Jenny, Amy, still in a psych hospital where Jason starts stalking her, but she passed on coming back. I already said Jason goes from the burlap sack to the hockey mask in 3. They also used a new, a special 3D system called Mark's 3D to film this, and it was continually breaking down. They had to do reshoots on number scenes because of that, and they said shooting in 3D was just miserable. Tracy Savage, who plays Debbie, went on to be a news reporter, and she covered the Heidi Class and O.J. Simpson trials. The ending here is very similar to Part 1. Chris is in a canoe in the water, um, and then a, a female figure, as I said, jumps up to grab her. It's later recognized as a dream sequence. But I guess we're supposed to forget that we saw Mrs. Voorhees' head and the head get knocked off in the first movie and then the head sitting around in some sort of a shrine from Jason in the second movie. But again, it's a dream sequence, so anything can happen. Part 4, the final chapter... Last film in the series to pick up immediately or a few days after the one before it. There are lots of continuity errors. The guy hunting his wife, no, the guy hunting his sister, who was impaled during the 
Bed sex scene couldn't have known about it that fast. There are two twins in this one, Terry and Tina. The film was shot entirely in California. The house used for the Jarvis house later went on to be the Anderson house in the Ed Gain movie from 2000. Part 5, A New Beginning. The script originally had Corey Feldman returning, but he had already started working on Zuni. Sorry, Goonies, so they used him for a cameo, which he shot in his backyard. The script also called for Tommy to be turned into Jason due to his encounter, but that never happened. This film required nine trips to the MPAA to get the rating taken down from X to R, and of course to cut down the sex and the gore scenes. The hockey mask in this film has blue markings instead of red, foreshadowing that the real killer is not Jason. Um, director Danny Steinem, who previously worked on a number of exploitation porno films, which originally going to write and direct a sequel called Last House on the Left. When that fell through, Paramount gave him this film instead. According to the members of the cast and crew, he spent a lot of time high on co cocaine and verbally abusing the cast. He was told by the studio he needed to deliver a scare kill every eight minutes. Later, Steinman was almost killed in a severe motorcycle accident, and it took him years to recover. He never returned to filmmaking. Darcy DeMoss was originally hired for Tina, but fired when she refused to do the nude scenes. She would later be in Friday the 13th, Part 6. And if you hadn't noticed, Friday has lots of the same character names over and over again. There's at least three Tinas, two Robins, two Pauls, two Sandras, two Ricks, and two Teds. Part 6, Jason Lives, marks the first time, except for the prologue or flashbacks, where there are actually kids on the camp. This is the only film in the series to not feature any nudity. Frank Mancuso wanted to bring uh, Joseph Shepard back as Tommy, but he declined, so they got uh, Tom Matthews cast instead, who, of course, makes Tommy number three. Matthews, you may also remember, played Freddy in Return of the Living Dead, which we covered earlier. Uh, and also another continuity error, after Jason was resurrected from the grave, it was previously mentioned that he was cremated, so we have to forget that. Now to part seven. The film was sent to the MPAA nine times before getting an R rating. This is the most heavily censored of the Friday movies. The film was originally intended to have Jason versus Freddy, but Paramount owned Jason and New Line Cinema owned Freddy, so they couldn't agree. Later, the Freddy... Friday franchise is sold to New Line that makes it possible in the later movie. Uh, this film had intended for Tin, Tina and her psychic abilities to take Tommy's place as an antagonist, hence the title New Blood, but that was scrapped. This is the last Friday the 13th film to use footage from the previous movies. At one time, they had the film subtitled Jason's Destro Destroyer. The film had the working title Birthday Bash to disguise that it was a Friday the 13th movie. 
and Walt Corney, who played Crazy Ralph, is the narrator at the film's beginning. And this is the one that has the infamous sleeping bag scene where Jason bashes a girl up against a tree with a sleeping bag. Part 8, Jason Takes Manhattan. The script originally called for Jason to visit lots of New York City sites such as the Statue of Liberty, Empire State Building, Brooklyn Bridge, etc. But they didn't have enough money so they had to stay on the boat most of the time. Filming, except for two days in Times Square, was done entirely in Vancouver. The fake title of this movie was Ashes to Ashes. And the characters don't reach New York until the last half hour of the movie. As I said previously, there remains confusion as to how Jason, who was in Crystal Lake, made it aboard a boat that was in the Atlantic Ocean. And as we said, the ending of this one has Jason covered in radioactive waste and returning to his uh, child form. Part 9, Jason Goes to Hell. The jungle gym in front of the Voorhees house was also used in Hitchcock's The Birds. The crate in the basement is from the story The Crate from Creepshow. One early concept for the movie was Jason goes to L.A. and starts to slaughter rival gang members. Um, Another original title for this movie considered was Friday the 13th Part 9, The Dark Heart of Jason Voorhees. The actors who played Luke and Deborah were a couple in real life but had broken up right before being cast on this movie, so this made for some awkward moments during their sex scene. They were so busy shooting this film that they did not look at the dailies. This left the job to the editor, and much of the film was unusable and had to be reshot, storylines dropped, new characters added, etc., which might explain the uh, weirdo final product that nobody really likes on this one. In this film, the crystal... Crystal Lake is hinted to be in Connecticut. In other films, it was in New Jersey. Keegan, uh, main character, said that she had been upfront about not doing nude scenes. Director Adam Marcus said she wasn't and tried to convince her otherwise. It came to a head in the last few days. Keegan walked off the set. Off the set. Sean S. Cunningham came in and replaced Marcus for the last few days of shooting. The film originally had a flashback with Betsy Palmer, but she declined. The original story had someone going back to Crystal Lake where Jason was submerged and pulling him out, then doing an autopsy and eating his brain and thus regaining his powers. This person was later revealed to be Jason's father, but the story was scrapped and Jason's father had never been mentioned up to that point. The Necronomicon and Dagger that you see are props from the Evil Dead franchise that we covered earlier. Is Jason a deadite? Uh, No, the studio did not have the right to cross over those two franchises, but that would have been very interesting. In this movie, Jason possesses four people, all men, Phil Phil the Coroner, Josh, Robert, and Randy. Part 10, Jason X. The film was a failure initially in the theaters, but more than made up for it on DVD and international sales, it is now considered one of the most successful Fridays. 
And I already mentioned the virtual reality Camp Crystal Lake that was cool. This film takes place in the beginning at 2010 and then later at 2455. They also considered making a Jason vs. Aliens mashup, which would have been great in my book. Um, and this was kind of an Aliens homage, this film. The YouTube channel Dead Meat, who you haven't checked that out, they have a great uh, YouTube channel and a great podcast, declared Brodsky the most badass character in the Friday franchise. And you will recall he was the one that when Jason was floating around outside trying to get back into the uh, ship they were on, grabs him and then uh, pushes him towards Earth where they supposedly, I don't know, disintegrated, but Jason's mask survived. Part 11, the final movie in which Robert England appears. He retired soon after. Here there's a conflict between Ronnie Yu and Christian Isabel. I'm sorry, Catherine Isabel, and you know her from lots and lots of stuff, including Hannibal and Ginger Snaps, which we already covered here. She says she signed up for no nudity. He kept pressuring her. They eventually used a body double for her shower scene at the beginning of the movie, but you'll recall that happened in an earlier film as well. Rob Zombie was offered to direct, but went back to work on House of a Thousand Corpses instead. Seventeen scripts were submitted. This is, uh, when the original script proved too long, they dropped the character of Tommy Jarvis, who was supposed to be in this. This is the 11th and the 8th entry in each franchise, 11th in the Friday franchise, 8th in the Freddy franchise. So there's some debate as to who won at the end of the movie. Um, Jason has Freddy's head, decapitated head, uh, coming out of the water, but then Freddy winks at the camera, so who knows. A sequel was planned but never materialized. And the remake. The title card doesn't show up until 25 minutes in, making this one of the longest prologues in horror movies. Derek Mears is the eighth actor to portray Jason. And, of course, I already went over their names. Um, Kane Hodder is the only Jason to appear in multiple movies. Oh, and Kane Hodder also did the Hatchet franchise and a bunch of other stuff. This is the first film to use CGI weapons. And Danielle Panabaker is in this remake and the remake of The Crazies, which we also covered earlier. Okay, why should you watch these movies? Um, well, the Friday franchise, Halloween, and Nightmare on Elm Street are the three most popular Halloween uh, horror franchises out there. And even though Halloween was first, I think Jason is, I'm not sure, it's iffy-iffy between those two, uh, who is the most recognized character in the slasher genre. I would say Jason was, but since all the Friday, the, um, all the Halloween movies are coming out, I think he might be now too. Um, Friday the 13th is one of the longest running horror franchises. And you would think that with, 13 films in a TV series. It would be uh, the largest franchise, but it's not. 
Amityville Horror has that record because that franchise has 23 movies. The Puppet Master franchise, we talked about a couple of weeks ago, has 14. So they're way up there as well. And then Halloween is uh, when all of its movies that are in production come out may pass uh, those. In terms of what to watch, it's a major time commitment, obviously, to watch all these films. I would suggest watching the first movie, the second movie, and the fourth movie to see how they had originally planned to end the series. Then watch Jason X, because Jason in Space is cool. Freddy vs. Jason, because that's tons of fun. And the remake. Um, I liked it fine. People either love it or hate it. And then this will give you a good overview of the franchise. Okay, recipe for this week. Uh, obviously, will be campground theme because of Camp Crystal Lake. So, Greek, uh, Two Geeks Who Eat at twogeekswhoeat.com has a adult uh, hot cocoa and um, s'mores recipe. And you'll recall we've talked about them previously. They have some really good cocktails. So, the recipe for the hot cocoa... Uh, it's, you know, just a regular recipe, except add one ounce bourbon um, and one ounce marshmallow vodka and use mini marshmallows to garnish. And then s'mores are regular s'mores, five ounce bag salted caramel, brown brittle, brownie brittle, two-thirds cup caramel bites, and two cups of mini marshmallows. And you know how to make those, throw them in the oven, and... I will leave the recipe in the notes for this episode. In conclusion, um, you really can't say you're a horror fan if you don't know about Friday the 13th. Uh, Even non-horror fans, I think that would be their top pick. As I said, either that or Halloween. Um, But needless to say, after watching all of these again at one time together, I'm a little tired of this franchise, so I will not be watching um, any of these again in the near future. Uh, Where to find us? We're on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please give us a five-star rating if you like what you're hearing. We need all the help we can get. We're also on Twitter at Food and Fright. Contact us by email at foodandfright at gmail.com or check out our website at foodandfrighteningfilm.podbean.com. That's it for this week. Please stay safe. Don't take any chances out there. Remember to social distance and wear a mask, uh, even if you're young, because uh, who knows with this thing, plenty of uh, perfectly young, healthy people are dying, so don't take any chances. Stay safe.